Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mavs Moneyball Podcast. My name is Kirk Henderson, and I am recording this on Thanksgiving night. It's about 8 o'clock. What you're about to hear is Josh Bowe and I from the 2018 draft night, a few hours after the Mavericks secured Luka Doncic and Jalen Brunson. Uh, I've kind of decided to repost this every Thanksgiving for the past couple of years, Um, not only because Josh and I don't really want to work on Thanksgiving, but also because it was a lot of fun. Uh, That was one of the, the coolest moments in my fandom because it was just so amazing that the Mavericks ended up with a guy that I had wanted for well over a year after they had fallen in the draft to fifth. You know, what the Mavericks have done since has been a real roller coaster. It's been mostly fantastic, even though we gripe and complain a lot. But I, I just like revisiting this moment because it's it's one of the, the few times in fandom when everything felt really, really pure. Uh, I hope you appreciate it. I hope you uh, like how ridiculous we are. Josh and I are frankly much better at this than we were four years ago. Um, but it's still fun to revisit and do these sorts of things. While we're here, I just wanted to thank each and every one of you for downloading and listening, or at least downloading, as Matthew Barry used to say. Uh, we're really grateful to have found an audience for what we like doing. You know, Josh and I would probably end up talking about a lot of this stuff anyways, or talking about it to other people on our sites. But for the people who tune into the podcasts, for the people who tune into the Spotify Lives, we are extremely grateful for your continued uh, you know, downloading and listening of our work. It means a great deal. All right. I hope everybody had a nice Thanksgiving. We'll be back Saturday evening with the, uh, normal podcast recap and podcast, uh, yeah, or I'm sorry, live show after. So we hope everyone had a nice Thanksgiving that's stateside. And for those who are overseas, we appreciate you dealing with, uh, us gluttonous Americans. Everybody have a great day. Hello, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Josh and I are going to take a couple of days off, but I wanted to post this uh, from draft night in 2018 because it made me happy, and Thanksgiving and being with family is about happiness. But if you needed a minute and you wanted to do some math stuff, enjoy this talk from uh, a couple years ago. I don't entirely remember everything we said. See you guys in a few days. Hi, hello, welcome to the fucking Mavs Moneyball podcast. This is Josh Bow, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyball.com. But who cares about that? Because I am with the one, the only, Mr. Kirk. Kirk, we did it. We did it. Not only, not only did we do it, we willed it. Because this was so unlikely as recently as six hours before the draft. I mean, we started to hear whispers of things. We started to read the tweets. You know, uh, the, the one thing that, that many Mavs Moneyball people may not really get is that though we try to be as impartial as possible, we're really mostly fans. I mean, Josh has some sourcing if he really wants to, but I'm definitely just a dude on, on, on the Twitters. And so reading this stuff along the way it happened was just incredible. I nearly got uh, uh, killed by my wife, 
because I started reading about how the Mavs were holding it up via Mark Stein's tweets, and all of a sudden I stopped talking at dinner, and that didn't go over well. So, so explain to me what happened with you because you were actually at the Mavs draft party. I think that people would like to hear about that. So, so tell us about that, Josh. Where did it go? Uh, it was a very interesting. It was. It always. It's more actually. That's it's false. It's always sounds more interesting. In reality, it's just a bunch of mostly sweaty white dudes sitting at tables looking at their phones. <laughs> but uh but no it's always a good time because you know you get to catch up with people you haven't seen you know if we, you know if we don't see some writer friends or just friends in general uh since the season ended so that's fun to catch up and then it kind of it, it was just a lot of staring at phones you know i think tim mcmahon was there so he was actually you know breaking some some news so he was kind of he kind of was digging in a little bit uh, but everyone else that was there, you know, isn't necessarily breaking too much news because um, that's usually, you know, left for Waj and, and Shams. Uh, but there was definite fist pumps when the when the tweets came out. Um, it felt really good. Uh, of course, I'm I'm there, so I'm not um, I'm not like going nuts. Like if I was at my house, you know, my pants would be off. I'd be running around <laughs> the living room. I'd be pouring pouring like champagne you know down my balls or something like i'd be fucking going wild but you know i'm there at the draft party so i got to keep it like a little together so i don't really celebrate that much but in my head i'm screaming because this is this is nuts this is the best player in the draft and the Mavs that came in with the fifth pick and they got him they found a way and kirk i think my favorite like uh the like comparison that you use it was a while back and you're like, this just needs to be like football in the NFL. Like when teams know that they need a quarterback, they find the quarterback they want and they get it. And usually like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like they'll trade first round pick, second round pick. They'll trade all these picks because they're like, hey, it doesn't matter because we need this guy. Like this is our guy. If we don't get him, it doesn't matter what we make with all these other picks. So I really like that analogy. And I think that kind of was what happened tonight. Like it, the Mavs. I, they weren't going to take no for an answer. It seemed like, it seemed like, I mean, at first it seemed like they did because at first it seemed like they were going to let fucking West Matthews hold up the deal. Uh, but I think that was just the Mavs trying to look prideful and, and, and look like they were the smarter ones and not Atlanta going, we don't want your trash ass West Matthews. Uh, but still like it, it just felt good that the Mavs took matters in their own hands and got clearly the best player in the draft and could be one of the better players in the league for a long time. I mean, it's funny. So we're at about, what pick are we at? So Josh and I are recording just before 11 p.m. Central, and the draft is probably got about maybe four picks to go. The Mavericks might have picked by now, and we're just not paying attention because they just recently made a trade for the 54th pick, with Philadelphia in exchange for the 56th pick and the 60th pick. Yeah, but, and those fucks didn't take Kevin Hervey. I know, so so maybe we'll be able to talk about that as it comes up. So essentially, what I am really excited about is I have been, and I, I went back and looked at this, and so it's been such a long time since we talked about this, because 
the Mavericks finished the year, you know, they finished on a tanking streak. They also had this kind of incredible win-loss record in games decided by five five points to give, which really, you know, if, if we assume that games decided by five points are kind of coin tosses, the Mavericks won, lost far more than they won to the point to where I think that a you know a casual fan could look at the Dallas win-loss record and say, oh, they only won 24 games? Well, if you factor this in, they might have won 34, and with a little bit of improvement, we might win 40, yada, yada, yada. And so I went back and looked at this. The Mavericks lost nine of their first ten to start the 2017-18 regular season. I lost my mind between a game against Memphis when we're uh, between the uh, home and home series against Memphis where Dallas finally won their first game and apparently staked my claim, at least according to my Twitter feed, on Luka Doncic on uh, the 27th of October when the Mavericks were 1-5. So to come this far and to be right <laughs> about something so stupidly specific really makes me feel good. I'm going to take a victory lap. I also looked through my Twitter feed, and I apparently have promised to name my second-born child, male or female, Luca. That's a discussion for a different day. But the fact that we're here is kind of incredible because to give up uh, – the, the protections for the pick are very interesting. I think they're top five in 2019, top three in 2020, and unprotected in 2021 is really interesting because – I, I thinking long term, it's very important that the Mavericks and really any team has their their own pick in 2021, because if the NBA decides to roll back their uh, age uh, draft age limit restriction, there's a chance that both the seniors in the class of 2021 high school and the freshmen in the class of 2021 enter the draft at the same time, which gives you one of those really talent-rich drafts. So, like, Dallas got ahead of things, I think, a little bit, because with Luka, with Dirk, with Dennis, and with free agent X, whether it be uh, – I, I was sassing my Laker fan friends and saying Julius Randle or even uh, Boogie, which seems a little, out, a little outside, if we're being honest – the Mavericks should win at least 35 games next year. So where we are right now, no free agency, the addition of Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, whoever the Mavericks have took with their final two picks, this is really, I can't think of a better outcome right now. Like, this is so exciting. And I know there's a lot of people out there who've not seen Luka, Luka who are very concerned about drafting a Euro. After all, the Mavericks have not had any success with European players. We're, we're going to have a great time next season. Yeah, it's it's bananas. Um, I know that the ceiling talk is like whatever. Like, I just think he's going to be a good player. Um, I think Rick made a good point in the post game. Uh, I think McMahon asked him about his athleticism and how it's going to translate. And Rick was like, well, he's, I think he's going to surprise people. And then he's like, look at other players that have his skill level in the league that aren't necessarily, you know, monsters jumping out of the gym. When you're that skilled, and this is a good point by Rick and others have made it too. When you're that skilled, like you create space, you know, like you get the defense moving, like you can make, players move out of position with you know when you're working ain't passing angles and when you're a good shooter and when you can a good ball handler so 
that's really exciting is just I feel like he has such a high floor of being like he's a good player because he's such a good passer. He's such a damn good passer. Uh, and that really, I think, limits like how much of a bust he could be. Like when you're that good a passer, uh, like he's he's bare minimum going to be like an acceptable NBA starter, I feel like. Um, do you want, before I keep going, do you want some, the second round news as yeah, the Mavs have Let's done? talk about that. And then we'll circle back in on the second round kind of later on in the podcast. All right. So sorry. All right. We'll talk about second round later. All right. So like, it's just crazy to me. And you know, like you said, you've been, you've been on it since October. I kind of hopped in with you around then. Um, I didn't even really think about him that much for most of the year because I thought he was, consensus number like it felt like he was going to be the number one pick up until maybe february when Aiden kind of started kept going on a tear in conference play uh so i really didn't because i knew the Mavs weren't going to get the number one pick so i didn't really think about him maybe until last month uh especially after they got the fifth pick i thought there was no way uh so this is this is just nuts to me and um I can't like I'm just I'm stunned. Uh, it's going to be so awesome watching Dennis Smith with these downhill drives off high screen and rolls, and he's going to kick it out, scatter defense, and Doncic is so perfect for that secondary role. I mean, he'll be great as a lead guy too when Dennis is on the bench, or if they want Dennis to take a break and spot up a little bit. Um, it's just incredible. Like he just fits into every lineup. They got a wing. Uh, we don't have to worry about who's going to like, they had Barnes and Wes Matthews and Dorian Finney Smith. Like, no, they got Donkic now. Like that's so legitimate. Uh, it's just crazy. I, I know there's a podcast, but I'm just like almost speechless about like how great this was for Dallas. Absolutely. Because the thing that I kind of keep coming back to is that I have wanted Rick Carlisle to have, multi-talented athletes available to him and not these single skilled guys. All right. So what do I mean by that? So I was, I have always been very hard on Dwight Powell. I'm willing to admit I've said so on Twitter. I've said so on our articles that more or less I am wrong about Dwight Powell. He has lived up to his contract and more. He's been a valuable piece. However, he is also primarily a single-skilled guy. He's one of the best uh, dive men in the league. You you probably remember his statistics off the top of your head. But he's not great on defense. He's not a great rebounder. However, the Mavericks are able to survive because whenever they have him on the floor as the dive man, their offense is just bananas. So what do you do with a guy like Doncic, who has, if you look at his raw stats, his three-point shooting isn't great. I would argue that's primarily because this last season he was the primary guy at 19 for one of the best teams in the second best league in the world. So next year, if he's the third option, which is seems reasonable, probably the fourth or fifth option, if we're you know factoring in depending who's on the floor, he's going to get better looks. He's going, you know, both from outside and then from within inside the lane because the guy just knows how to play basketball. I think it's going to be one of these things where by around game 25, it becomes clear that while he might not be the quote, you know, the best player on the floor, 
he's the guy that's drawing the most attention. Like there's so many opportunities for the Mavericks to be better around the margins that, you know, every game is going to have to be must see, which, you know, for a team that finished with 24 wins sounds stupid, but like this guy does incredible things. If you missed the shot in his, I don't even remember what the league title game was. He took a shot after being really terrible. Like he, I think he had only scored, you know, single digits to date, but they were only up by three with about two and a half minutes left. He took a combination Steve Nash runner floater step back jumper from the right wing that went in and gave his team a six point margin, which basically sealed the victory for him. I mean, the guy is a crazy shot maker. And even if he struggles to, to kind of adapt to the NBA uh, levels of athleticism, which he may, he's still going to have these kind of flashes of absolute brilliance that, that make the Mavericks must watch television. Yeah. And that's, I think that's kind of underrated aspect of like how great this is, is the Mavs have shitty TV ratings for like the last five years. Um, I know DFW is a big market and I don't want to get too inside baseball or like too far from the weeds of what, we, what matters, but like, that's huge. Like he's going to put butts in the seats. He's going to get people excited. Um, we saw that a little, we saw that with Dennis. Um, it felt like there was an energy around watching a guy that hasn't been there, you know, since Dirk was in his prime. And, you know, Dirk is still obviously people love to watch him, but it's more of like a novelty uh, instead of like a raw excitement anymore with Dirk. Uh, so it's cool that, you know, Den now you follow up, you you kind of lured people back in that might have been kind of pushed away after those really meh playoff years, you know, when they were getting bounced in the first round after 2011. And you bring people back with Dennis, you get them excited. And then, you know, the Mavs kind of had a stinky year, so they kind of taper off. And now those people, you're bringing them back in. Now you're saying, now look who we're putting with Dennis. We're putting arguably the best player in this draft, uh, maybe one of the best players in the last couple of drafts. Uh, I mean, that might be taking it too far. But, you know, just like it, it's just crazy what those two can do. And I know that there was some some thought – more nationally, I don't think people that really that watch them as really worried about too much, but about how him and Dennis are going to fit together. And that's honestly, they're going to be almost a perfect pairing. I know Dennis is going to have to work on his off ball game a little bit. Uh, he wasn't great when uh, JJ was on the floor and JJ was kind of pounding the air out of the ball. But I think Donkic is going to be a much more, he's going to move the ball a little bit more. Uh, not that JJ Barrera was selfish. Just JJ loved running pick and rolls over and over, and he's a good passer, but it's just kind of a different feel. Uh, I think Doncic is just going to move the ball a little bit more, inspire more ball movement in general. And I think having those guys kind of not necessarily taking turns, but you know, the weight of the offense is on neither of their shoulders. And when they're playing, they can feed off each other. They're both good passers. They're both good uh, dive, uh, drive and kick guys. Um, Doncic has the freaking LeBron James you know, that pass when he's coming off a screen and then maybe takes like one or two dribbles around the screen and then immediately one-handed fires it to the weak side corner for a three-point shot that LeBron does all the time. Uh, Don't just has that pass. And like just being able to see that ball movement with Rick Carlisle's offense, like, like Rick has been able to get some like acceptable offensive play from, <laughs> from like 
the most like unlikely sources. Like I know last year's Mavs won 24 games, but they had some good offensive games. Um, they weren't like embarrassing in, in their games. Uh, and that's with Dennis playing with like Devin Harris and JJ Barea. And those were really the only playmakers he played with. Now you're pl- putting him with like the ultimate, you know, young playmaker. Uh, that's just crazy to me. And I- I'm not sure how good Doncic is going to be right away. And like you said, it might, you know, once we're 25 games in, we're, we're going to start to see it. But I just think his ability to pass is just going to be, regardless of his shot, regardless of his scoring, I think that passing is going to be evident immediately. And that's what's going to make him and Dennis be such a great pair. Because Dennis's speed is so key. And, and Carl mentioned this afterwards, that, uh, you know, when Doncic, where he's playing overseas, he didn't really have an athlete like Dennis in the backcourt that could just put a defense on its heels uh, in a one-on-one situation. And that's just going to help him so much when he's spotting up, when he's moving off screens off the ball. He's going to be catching the ball against a scattered defense way more uh, than he was when he was playing uh, overseas. So that's really enticing. And um, just his – and then another thing – I know I'm, I'm kind of rambling on, but another thing that's kind of underrated, I think he's going to make Barnes so much better. Um, I, I think it's just fantastic that now – like we don't have to worry about like – Hey, is Barnes going to be a passer like that? You know, that narrative that we've hated. I know you've hated too, especially whenever Barnes would get like three assists and we'd be like, Oh, he's a passer now. Like we don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, Barnes can kind of just be who he is. He can keep getting better. Like he's going to work his ass off to try to get better, but he doesn't have to try to be someone he's not and feel pressure to do that anymore. Cause Donkic is going to take some of that playmaking responsibility away from him and he can just focus on spotting up, uh, taking advantage of mismatches, things like that, playing, you know, good, uh, versatile defense. Uh, so that's kind of what excites me. Like, uh, Kirk, I think one thing I've mentioned to you before, and you've, you've talked about a lot is like, when I watch these guys, I want to know like, Hey, are these guys going to get played off the floor in a playoff game? And that was like kind of the one nagging thing when we were looking at all these bigs like Bagley and Bomba, um, even Aiton and Jaron Jackson to a degree, although, you know, maybe those guys, not as much, but like, we don't have to worry about that anymore. We don't have to worry about the, if he fits or like, oh, it's a wing. It's, you know, bigs aren't in style because it's a wing league. Like, no, we don't have to worry about that shit. We got the best wing in the draft who might be the best player in the draft. And that's just so awesome. Like, it's so refreshing. Well, there's a lot. I mean, you, you hit on so many points that I'm, I know, I'm like, sorry. I, no, I fucking Johnny five that through that shit. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. So, so let's talk about the X factor, which hasn't been mentioned near enough. One of the things that I believe allowed for Dennis Smith to have a very successful rookie season, no matter, you know, I don't want to talk about long-term upside with him or anything else like that. Dennis had a successful rookie season in small part because of the gravity of Dirk Nowitzki and Dirk, who we have since learned at the end of the season, he has had kind of a lingering ankle issue, which, you know, I'm really interested to see his mobility next year. That's neither here nor there, but what do you, what do opposing teams do at least on offense? If you have two really good initiators in Dennis Smith and Luka Doncic, Two very good shot makers in Dennis, or I'm sorry, in uh, 
Dirk Nowitzki and Harrison Barnes. And then whoever they decide to play at center or if they decide to go small and then throw out a Wesley Matthews. There is really so many fun offensive options next year. And and really, Dirk is is kind of a is almost like an AP course in terms of, of allowing NBA level talent to learn on the fly because you know he's not always gonna be there. But what he does is he he allows for these guys to have six inches of space here and there that give them the opportunity to succeed. So what happens when you pair these two together is just going to be so interesting. And, you know, let's let's just play devil's advocate and say that neither player is great off the ball. I don't really recall at the moment how true that is of uh, of Doncic, but let's say it is true of Dennis. The fact that these two have to learn a specific skill set and, you know, figure out how to make it work, I think is long term great for both players. Because Rick Carlisle is very good on offense, and and the way that Dallas will will play next year is just going to be a lot of fun, and I'm just I'm I'm very excited to see to see where he goes from there. Um, you know, there's so many options and things to talk about with Dennis. The second thing that I wanted to to to, to ramble on myself is let's take a step back and say you know that Dennis. Let, let's just assume that Doncic really uh, uh, struggles at the start, not because he's bad, but because the man is tired. In the last year and a half, he has has played 150 professional basketball games. The NBA season's 82 games long before you get to the playoffs. Obviously, some overseas talent is not the same as, as playing in the NBA, but playing 150 sanctioned games or more in, in a year and a half is really a lot. So I expect, you know, this summer to be very big for Doncic in terms of how he gets his body into shape, because there's been, you know, a little bit of whispering about the fact that he likes some kind of questionable restaurants, which like, who gives a shit about that? Like he's 19 years old. I'm 34 <laughs> years old and I love Taco Bell. Sue me. So, you know, if, if it takes him a little while to get into a little bit of a nutritional program and get into a weight program, there's just... He looks like this now. I can't imagine what he's going to be like if he's given the opportunity to put to play in, a, in an NBA system. So let's just uh, – anybody who's a little bit concerned, and there's probably a fair number of you out there because you've not seen tape about the man, just give him 60 games. You know, give him to the last quarter of the season. And if you're not sold by then, then you can tell me to go away. But I'm really convinced that, that Doncic's floor – is so high with a team filled with smart basketball players. I know you. Some of you out there might have might have wanted Mo Bamba and Josh. I think you should talk about that a little bit. But this guy is gonna be something. He might not be a superstar. He might be the third best player on a championship team. He might be the second best player. But he's gonna play for twelve to fourteen years, and he's or more, and he's just gonna be incredible. So so, why don't you take take him there, Josh? Yeah, uh, I guess with the Bomba stuff, I never want like I guess if we're just peeking back behind the curtain, and this is I am not. I mean, I I watch about three hours of college basketball live, um, <laughs> like during college basketball season. So like this probably means bullshit. But like my personal top five uh, going into this, which is really all I 
pay too much attention to because we've got much, much better people to pay attention to all the players that come after that. Uh, it was Donkic, it was uh, Jackson, uh, Aiton, then Bamba, then Bagley. So I know I was probably one of the bigger Bamba guys on the site and maybe, uh, but I, you know, I still wanted Donkic more because I realized just what his versatility and what his skill set means, not just to like the NBA in general, but especially to this team and with Rick Carlisle and with Dirk and working with it, with those two, uh, two legends of the league. Like, it's just like, it just made sense. It's perfect fit. But with Bamba, you know, I, I still think like centers matter and the Mavs still need a center. Like, uh, they don't have a rim protector really on the roster because I believe their best rim protector is Salah Mejri, and I'm pretty sure he's up. Uh, Nerlens Noel, as I like to say, is in the phantom zone, so we don't pay attention to him anymore. And so they need a rim protector like really bad. Uh, that's not Dwight Powell. That's not really Dirk. That's not Maxi Kleber. Um, so there's that's another area that they really need to address. Uh, so that's why at five, I would have been okay with Bamba because I still think the role of a rim running, rim protecting center uh, is still a role that's valuable in the league today because, yeah, Golden State uh, might buck the trend and they might have a six, seven center that can step out to the three point line and make plays off the ball and, and make passes and play like a point guard and stuff like that. But not every team has a dream on green. And, and, Furthermore, I don't know if there was a Draymond Green in this draft or if there was a Draymond Green in the last draft. I know centers are stepping out and starting to shoot threes more, but in terms of centers, you know, teams playing six, seven guys, you really didn't see a lot of that till the second round and the conference finals when Houston was using P.J. Tucker at center. So I kind of always thought it was putting the cart before the horse, worrying about if Bamba would get like played off the floor in a second round playoff series. Cause I'd be like, well, fuck if Bamba helps lead us to a second round playoff series, isn't that kind of the point of getting a player like that and letting him help you win? So that was kind of my idea. But so I, I still think that's a need that they're going to need to address. And I think they're probably going to go big in free agency to address that. Uh, that's a little worrying, but that's kind of what was my thought process. But make no mistake, like Donkic was always my number one guy. Pretty much as soon as uh, I picked up on him after Kirk, Kirk, after you picked up on him. Um, so that's kind of how I felt that it's still a need. But I mean, I'm I'm over the moon with kind of where they're at right now. Well, with that, I think we should maybe pivot and discuss, even though you and I blindingly don't really know what we're talking about. Let's talk about the second round selections in relation to what we know. So just to kind of recap with what's happened so far with the 33rd pick, the Mavericks picked Jalen Brunson, who was the point guard of Villanova. He was, I think he was like, like one of the national players of the year, just like a really, you know, kind of a touted guy. Yeah, uh, I think he averaged like 19 a game. Mm-hmm. With the we traded the 54th pick to the 76ers, they selected Shake Milton, which may be a whole other podcast uh, for some of the guys <laughs> who are like really into SMU basketball. And we selected with the 56th and uh, 56th pick, we selected a guy named Ray Spalding, a power forward out of Louisville, and with the 60th pick, uh, we selected Costas. At- 
um, uh, Aratacumbo. There we go. I just, I mean, I, I may have been drinking Mavs fans. I don't, I don't want to butcher the man's names. Who is? He's a small forward out of Dayton. He's the Greek freak's little brother. We may or may not have had the chance to pick him four or five years ago, but we're not going to talk about that right now. So, so Josh, I want to hear your 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 immediate reactions to the second round, and then you know all, all of our good fans can tell us we're morons later. Okay, here's my reaction to the second round, knowing that I've smitten about the first round, obviously. <laughs> that sucked. <laughs> like I don't know much about these guys in the second round, but Jordan and Ian are guys, are draft guys on the site. I swear to God, they wrote like three novels worth of articles about guys they liked in the second round. And with each of the three picks the Mavs had in the second round, they had a chance to get at least one of those guys. And they got none of those guys. Uh, They could have had Melvin Frazier. They could have had Mitchell Robinson. Uh, Melvin Frazier, a a really nice, maybe potential 3 and D wing out of Tulane. And Mitchell Robinson, who didn't play in college last year, but is... Uh, Ian described as a 7-1 rim-running monster, which kind of sounds like a useful thing the Mavs could use right now, so I'm not sure. Uh, And then uh, they could have picked another Mavs Moneyball pet favorite in Shake Milton, uh, and they didn't do that. They traded the picks from 54, and then they could have taken my boy. Uh, I graduated from UTA. They could have taken Kevin Hervey. Uh, who's a six seven forward who can shoot threes and has like a seven two wingspan. Uh, but to be fair, he played at ETA. And then also to be fair, he has had ACL surgery in each of his knees. Uh, so I would imagine maybe the Mavs uh, diligent um, training staff maybe did not give the okay on that one. Um, so I'm not super thrilled. Um Especially like I'm coming off the Donkish high and I'm like, oh, sh- oh shit. Like we can get Melvin Frazier. Like we're going to get like every guy that we've been thirsting for, for the last like, you know, three months. And then they, they kind of petered out a little bit after that, but I guess I can't get too mad. Cause a, I don't know enough about these guys and B their first, their 33rd pick, their first second round pick is apparent was one of the best players in college basketball last year on a title winning team. So even though I'm confused why the Mavs feel like they have to roll with 85 point guards on their roster every year, <laughs> uh, I can't like I can't blame them for being like, hey, this guy's 20 on our board. I know we've got, you know, the 85 point guards, but we have to like the value must have just made too much sense. And then um, Carlisle talked after that pick and it really sounded like uh, the interview won him over because of one of the, he said one of the first things they asked him was like, Hey, if we picked you, you know, how are you going to get minutes on our team? Because you've got Dennis and you've got JJ. Uh, and you know, I, they didn't mention Yogi. Interestingly enough, I know he's a free agent this year, but Carlisle didn't really mention Yogi uh, during that. So that might be a hint at kind of what they're thinking with Yogi. Um, and apparently his answer, Brunson's answer was like, well, I'm going to push Dennis as hard as I can to get minutes on the floor. And I'm going to try to not only make myself better, but, you know, make Dennis better. And, and you know, if he's slacking, I'm, you know, I want to take advantage and because I'm always going to bring it and, and stuff like that. And, you know, no really hokey kind of coachy speak kind of stuff that you see in movies and, and generic quotes after games. But it, it was pretty clear from Carl, like that really swung them. I think the interview, they really liked the head he has on his shoulders. Um, so, 
I think that combined with the fact that while they do have backup point guards, one of them is JJ Brea, who's not going to be around for much longer. And the other one is a free agent this year. So maybe that was the thought process I can kind of get behind. Um, so that's kind of where I was. And then the last two picks, you know, I just, I was just kind of being a homer with Kevin Hervey. I wanted one, him to be one of them. Uh, but I, I mean, they're the 56th and the 60th pick. I can't get too bad at what they did there. Yeah. It's, it's funny. So, so yeah. let's, let's start with Jalen Brunson. I am, I don't know how to feel, but any player that gives Rick Carlisle the opportunity to run a five guard lineup, I suppose <laughs> I have to support. Uh, what my immediate thought about the Dallas Mavericks draft is that the summer league team is going to be lit. There Holy are, hell, yes. I mean, let's just assume that Luka Doncic probably plays two games. If we look, you know, just because the man's played a million hours of basketball, I don't really want him to be in Vegas just because he seems to like to have a good time. And that's a city where one can have a good time. Let's just, you know, the, the next three players then are, are basically Jalen Brunson and then, you know, a, a pair of, you know, it's, it's not like they're overseas players who are getting stashed. So you're getting um, Costas and then you're getting uh, Ray Spaulding. And so these three guys in Summer League with paired probably, and this is me speaking entirely out of my rear end, Somebody like Dorian Finney-Smith, who has just been looking to work on his shot. And then maybe even somebody like Kyle Collinsworth, who the, you know, the Mavs signed him to the rest of the year. But he's like one of these intangible glue guys who seems to be able to do everything but make a basket. And the Mavericks Summer League team is just going to be fun. I mean, we'll have a post at some point tomorrow about unrestricted free agents and or summer league guys that the Mavericks need to pursue on MavsMoneyBall.com. But there's just an incredible amount of, you know, 8 to 15 in terms of guys on your uh, NBA roster bench talent that the Mavericks really could, you know, plug holes with. Like this is, it's, I don't want to call it an exciting time to be a Mavs fan because that seems a little hyperbolic. But if you're one of the, the, the hardcore basketball few who will watch a team as they are really struggling, you're going to get in on guys who are going to matter in the NBA in 20, 2021 and 2022. Like this is just, it's a lot of fun. And, and, you know, I don't want to say it's it's you know all that rewarding because let's say the Mavericks top out at 37 wins next year, but they're building towards something, and you know we felt like this when they selected Dennis last Dennis Smith last year during the draft, and I feel like it again following this draft that the Mavericks know what they're doing. I'm gonna try to stop being a whiner on Twitter because there's a you know these guys are professionals. I, I, I should stop, you know, second guessing, but, but, you know, we're fans and after tonight's draft, you know, even though I know you don't like the nest, you don't like the, the specifics of the second round with their building blocks alone, they have something and it's something that they can market around and that, you know, we can try to bring the more casual Mavs fans back into the fold about. 
Right. And, and it's, it's crazy how a lot of this, I know, you know, the second round picks are nice. Three second round picks. It's pretty nice for this team. And especially they seem to be all second round picks that even if we don't agree, there were no Satnam Singhs or Bernard James uh, type picks. It seems like some of these guys can at least play a little bit. Maybe not all of them will be on the roster, but they can at least play a little bit. Uh, but it's crazy how much uh, Donkic uh, really swings this. Like, if this were the same second round, but instead of Donkic, they got uh, Bamba. Like, what would be? What would our to- like? Our tone would be completely different. We'd probably be like, "All right, well, yeah, we could see this." And you know, I like Bamba, and like I said, you know, we need a rim runner, we need a rut and, sh- and, and a shot uh, blocker. Uh, but man, they really need some playmaking. Man, they don't really have any wings and man, what are they going to do with Harrison Barnes in, in two years? Because, you know, he's really it for wings. Like, what are they, you know, what's what's happening? Um, there would have been still a lot of questions. And I feel like so many questions got at least partially answered tonight. Uh, and that makes me excited. Um, like the fact that we don't have to worry about Harrison Barnes becoming a number one option playmaker anymore is just so refreshing. Because it really was hard to talk about Harrison Barnes because – I think everyone on the site and everyone on master, I think we all love the guy just as a guy. He is just a good dude and he is great in the locker room and he's even better for the community. Um, Just a great example of a guy to have on your team to show young guys what they need to aspire to. And then just to help a community that, you know, needs it. Um, But man, it was just so hard to talk about him as a player. If we're assuming he is their primary wing And he is their play, you know, trying to make him into a playmaker. And in two years, his contract's up. And that's dangerously close to Dennis's extension. And if they had Bamba, even if Bamba turned into the player that I imagined him to be, I'm not even talking about like three-point shooting, just being a a great defender and a great rim runner, you know, that still doesn't really answer the question. You know, it doesn't really take any pressure off Barnes, so to speak. Uh, If anything, it still puts more pressure on Barnes to, to alleviate some of that, you know, playmaking pressure off of Dennis. And, you know, that's just really nice. Like, that's just really nice. It just solves a lot of problems. It answers a lot of questions. It makes us not have to ask the diff- some difficult questions that can screw up team building. And, you know, there's always like, it felt like there was going to be a really big inflection point with Barnes when he's up in two years. And now it doesn't, it, it's still going to be a big deal. They need to make that a, the right decision there. But now with Donkic and Fold, it doesn't feel like as big of a deal. And it feels like there's a, a foundation here where they can go in any direction now. They need, they can get a five. They can get a rim running five now. And uh, it doesn't, we don't have to worry about the playmaking. Or they can, you know, they can shore up and get, you know, some more wings behind Donkic, you know, if they don't think De- uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is the bench guy that they want. You know, they can kind of go in any direction they want because Donkic is just so damn versatile. He can pretty much play with anyone. Um, so that's what's exciting to me is it just – it feels like every headache we had about the Mavs for the last, like, four months, it just – it cleared up a lot of it for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, what what – is just so great now is that there's a sense of I don't want to call it peace because there's a lot that the Mavericks have to do. The, you, you know, I, I I believe Rick Carlisle referred to him as a, a Luka, Don, Luka Doncic as a foundational piece this evening, and 
when you have that foundation, everything else kind of happens from there. I am largely a person who worries about free agency just because the Mavericks have not been very good at it. And right now I'm at the point to where they could sign anyone from a, a, a Boogie Cousins to attempting to sign Julius Randle to even, you know, just signing someone who fills the gap. Uh, I, I can't even think of any, you know, kind of random free agent centers at the moment. I don't care. What about Der- Derek Favors, uh, your yeah, boy? Derek Favors, who, yeah, let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> there's just a lot of options, and it's, it's, it's so nice to not have to wonder about all these pieces. And, and so, you know, we're going to have a lot to say in the coming weeks. So it's, it's, it's June 22nd training camp. I would guess starts in mid August because the NBA season, though we're all used to it starting in November actually starts mid October. We're going to have a lot to say in the coming weeks. You know, there's going to be a ton of summer league content. There's going to be a ton of overreactions. There's going to be a ton of free agency stuff. And hopefully there's going to be a ton of podcasts. And so, you know, you and I are probably going to revisit this over the summer, but there's just a whole lot of things that give Mavericks fans, even your casual Mavericks fan, you know, your Mavericks fan who gets tired of the Cowboys being garbage, you know, when, once they've, they've lost eight games, we're going to be here for you. So, so over the next, (laughs) you know, couple of days, I want you to think about this. You know, we're going to have a social media reactions post in the morning because the fact that the Mavericks traded into this pick prompted some absolutely ludicrous responses from both fans and foes alike. I want to, I want to say the Rockets, uh, SB Nation blog just had a great thought. We're going to have, you know, a quote board from, uh, all the various people who spoke tonight. We're probably going to, you should tune in to our good friends at uh, uh, Locked On Mavericks. Nick and Isaac are going to be out there. There's pro- Josh. I think you know. God, it's almost you know 12:30 my time. I'm on the East Coast. You're going to try to churn out a column. We're going to have a lot of stuff over the next several days, and I really think that everyone who is even kind of remotely interested in God, if you subscribe to this podcast and you're on minute 44, you should definitely count yourself as a faithful Mavs fan. Uh, I, that's, that's kind of what I, I I think we're going to have a lot of stuff to say. We want to hear back from you. Just know that we read all of your comments. We read all of your tweets. We're a pretty small community right now. And those of you who, who support us are really important to us, even if we're occasionally sassy to you. So thank you for hanging with us this long the night after the Mavs. Um, I'm looking forward to what the, the future brings. What about you, Josh? Yeah, it's. It's just nice that we're excited. I wrote, I felt like we were talking like three days ago about like, man, this roster fucking sucks. Like we're just like looking at it. I wrote a column that kind of uh, a couple of days ago that highlighted the top 10 uh, Mavericks and minutes played last year. And I just stared a hole at that for like five minutes when I was writing that, like going, Jesus, like what? Like this is going to take some time and it might still take some time, but now I just, there's a, there's more energy around it so that it's going to be a more exciting road to get there. Um, and also I really like our new uh, catchphrase that you just coin Kirk Mavs Moneyball. When the Cowboys are garbage, we're here for you. <laughs> so let's put that on the masthead. Let's, let's copyright that shit. 
put on a t-shirt, put on a mug or some shit. You guys, and we'll roll that out sometime in the future. But yeah, tonight was fun. And like you said, it's going to be now it's almost like the, the rest of it begins. Like the, the real part begins where we get to dissect it. We get to all watch Luke eclipse until 5am or, or watch Luke eclipse instead of work or, or think about all this, all this stuff. Uh, which honestly, as as much as I would have been okay with Mo Bamba, that was that was not happening if they picked Bamba at five. Um, I don't think we would have been like revolting, but it it's just so cool to have this energy. Um, it feels like we won the number one pick in the lottery tonight, but instead we traded up and just kind of got that player instead. So uh, it's just a cool it's a cool feeling. Um, we needed a shot in the arm. Dennis was a good start. But they definitely needed another one to kind of to kind of get us going through these last couple of blah years. Well, before we before we get out of here, tell the good people whether they've come to our website mavsmoneyball.com, what do they need to do to describe to our uh, I don't know tri monthly podcast? I don't know. We try to get up a, an episode. You try to get up an episode probably at least once a week. So what do they need to do to the, to subscribe? Uh, well, if you're on, if you're listening to this in the post on the site, we'll have the post on the site and I'll embed all of the buttons to click to subscribe. Uh, we're on just about every major podcasting service. Now, if you're not listening to us there, uh, if you're just listening to us on the web, you can listen to us through iTunes, through the Apple podcast app, through Google, uh, Google podcasts, through pocket casts, through Stitcher. Uh, and I think there's a couple other ones that I can't remember off the top of my head, but those are the big ones. Uh, so if, yeah, if you guys want to subscribe, if you're listening on the web, um, there'll be buttons embedded below. So go ahead and subscribe. We'll keep it rolling. Uh, I'm going to try to get uh, Jonathan Sharks from The Ringer on in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I've got another kind of semi-blast from the Mavs blogging past that I'm trying to line up. Uh, Connor Hutchson. Ooh, yeah. Connor, my dude. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, maybe you read the two-man game when Connor was there. You read the classical when he was there. He kind of he kind of, he kind of, uh, crept back into the shadows a little bit in terms of basket blogging, but uh, he reached out to me this week, and he wants to jump on because uh, he's excited as hell. Uh, so I mean, everyone wants to talk about the Mavs now. Who would have thought? Um, so let's just keep keep it rolling. All right. Thanks for having me on, Josh. Yeah. Thank you for staying up till twelve forty. Uh, thank you for making it through a couple more cocktails podcast with me tonight. Uh, so with that, Kirk, thank you. You'll we'll, we'll talk again soon on here. And this is the Mavs Moneyball podcast. We will see you next time.